This is uh, lesson number six on financial stewardship, and we're, this is uh, austerity part two, and we're talking about laziness. Now, in our teaching on financial stewardship, we've said a couple things every service, so I want to quote those to you again. The first thing we say is that without a budget, you'll never be blessed like God wants you to be. We believe in the increases of God. We believe in the prosperity of God. It's a, it's a historical fact. If you follow the migration of the gospel of Jesus Christ from 2,000 years ago until today, everywhere the gospel goes, prosperity follows. The poorest nations on the planet are pagan. And they only have stuff because they have stuff that we exchange money for. But everywhere the gospel goes, people prosper. They flourish. There comes a light and an ingenuity and a development. And it almost like in one singular verse, Proverbs says, he gives his people knowledge of witty inventions. We begin developing stuff. But without a budget, you're never going to prosper. Without a budget, God will never be able to give you more stuff because you won't be able to handle it. A budget is so critical, whether it's a time budget, whether it's a calorie or food budget for your body, or it's a monetary budget. You have to budget everything the Lord gives you. If not, you can expect calamity, chaos, and things just imploding on you. So then we started covering prodigality and the parable of what theologians call the prodigal son, though the Bible never uses the term prodigal. But the prodigal, though we've been taught, is uh, someone who lives like the devil and comes home. That is the prodigal in the Bible, but that's not a prodigal. The word prodigal just means to waste money, to waste resources. One translation says of the prodigal son that he went to a foreign land and there he wasted his money like a fool. And we, we, I think we acknowledge that's all been us at some point to waste our money like a fool. You're going to have to get a budget. The other thing we said is that at some point in life, there comes a time when you must master money if you ever expect to excel. Poverty is a mindset. It has nothing to do with the dollar amount. And uh, again, you talk about millionaires and billionaires. Many millionaires and billionaires have bankrupted themselves many times just doing business. And they're not poor. They turn back around and they dig themselves out. And within a couple years or months, they're millionaires again. We also, and I'm just reviewing briefly, we also talked about the new movement in the earth for wealth redistribution and what's called parity, making all things equal. And we talked about what a foolish hoax that is because if you equalize all the money so that everybody had the same amount of money today, by the end of this week, the billionaires would be billionaires again and the poor people would be poor again. Amen. Because po prosperity versus poverty is all about a heart condition and a mindset. It just, it's just what's in you or what's not in you. That's why we have to learn to take care of this stuff. That brings us to our second lesson we started covering last week on austerity. And we'll review the definitions again. This brings us to our second lesson on austerity. And quite honestly, the opposite of austerity is laziness. And every one of us has flesh. One of the greatest fruits of flesh is lazy. But lazy, if, you, if, you, if your life is defined by lazy, you have nothing. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. If you'll just get up and do, you'll start to have something. Amen. So let's, look, let's pick it up here. Judges chapter 18, verse 9. Here's our opening verse. And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And are you still? Be not slothful to go and to enter to possess the land. I want you to see there, if you're going to possess the land God has for your life, the Bible says, be not slothful. He, and they, they ask the question, why are you still? Why are you sitting here? 
if we're going to possess the, the promised land for the New Testament church and the promised land for our individual marriage, our family, our children, you cannot be still. Now, I know there's a verse that says, be still and know that I'm God. That's what you do in your prayer closet when you get your marching orders. And then when you come out of your prayer closet, you march. So this is the other side of the token. Uh, it seems like lazy, entitled people say, well, the Bible says be still. Yeah, well, you can be still when you die. And we'll lay your body to rest. Well, that's kind of a misnomer because some of those people have been at rest their whole life, haven't done anything. They ask this question, why are you sitting still? Do not be slothful to go and enter to possess the lamb. The opposite of austerity is slothfulness. Let's define austere again. It means strict in business affairs. So whether that's you being a college student, whether that's you being a, a homemaker, whether that's you having your own business or working for somebody's business, you still have a business under you when you work for somebody, you have to be strict in business affairs. You have to be shrewd. And in this day and age, we live in the most entitled generation known to man. Part of this whole wealth parity, this whole wealth distribution is that those that work hard should keep working hard so that those that don't know anything should have a good quality of life. And we've proven time and time again it's not biblical. The parables teach us that you give, you take from him that's lazy and you give to him that's not. That's what the Bible teaches. You think about in the business world, that's how promotion works. You take responsibilities from the lazy guy, you fire him and you put more workload on the hard worker. It's amazing it works in the business world, but we don't want to keep it in every other arena of life too. It works that way in the church. When you're faithful in the church, promotion is more work. <laughs> when you're lazy in the kingdom, well, what you are given is taken from you and you're just allowed to sit until your heart says, I want something more to do. I don't understand. It, it's just the devil. It's, it's just catering to flesh this whole wealth redistribution thing. The New Testament says if you don't work, neither should you eat. Eventually you get hungry enough to go do something for some food. Amen. Austere means expecting a return on investment. So that means you're, you're always mindful of where your stuff is at. You're, you're not just lazy. You're mindful of where you're putting money. You're mindful of where you're putting time. At some point you realize, you know what? I should just cut my losses here. I keep putting time into this, but it's not getting better. Even in the kingdom... Pastors, there's a pastoral wisdom that says, don't waste your time on people that don't want help. Because as a pastor, this is just for my realm of, of what I do, uh, I should expect a return on my investment of time and discipleship. And at some point, if there's not, you don't give up on people. You just move them to the side until they're ready to be serious with God. And you go and invest your time in those that make the effort. Amen. Years ago, for whatever it's worth, I, I was taking judo and jujitsu, and there's an instructor there, a guy named Scott, who, who knew Jeet Kune Do. Jeet Kune Do was Bruce Lee's fighting form that he developed with a broken back, and then when he healed of a broken back or recovered, it became one of the most efficient fighting forms, and I'd always known about it, and here was a guy I actually met who knew it. And so I said, Scott, teach me Jeet Kune Do. And he said, no. Scott, teach me Jeet Kune Do. No. And I'd watch him give these personal lessons. And I harassed him and harassed him and harassed him. And finally he said, you want me to teach you Jeet Kune Do? I said, yes. And he said, all right, here's what you do. And he put this piece of tape on the ground and he said, this is how you stand. Walk backward and forward like I teach you to and uh, work on that and I'll test you next time. All right, well, that's pretty boring to walk backwards and forwards. But I wanted it. 
So I did that in my dorm room, walked backwards and forwards, a special way. And so he tested me. He said, all right. So then he took a piece of tape and he drew it at a 45. He said, now this is how you move side to side. And he said, now go work on that. And so I did it. I did everything he told me to do. And I got really good at the footwork. And he said, and then he told me, he said, all right, I'll teach you now. He said, most folks say they want this, but they're not willing to do the work for it. And he said, I don't have time to waste on people who just, just say they want stuff. And this dude was pretty hard on me. But he wanted to make sure I wanted the foundation and the fundamentals because with Jeet Kune Do, what made Bruce Lee's fighting form uh, so effective was that his foot movement. And you, you just, if you're not there, you can't be hit. <laughs> if you're not in the way, you can't be kicked. So the foundation of that is all how you move your feet. And, uh, you know, it looks pretty when you get to the upper body, but if you're not willing to do the work, why would somebody waste time on you? We have to be thankful that the Lord is willing to invest in us, but the Lord's no fool. And he's not going to invest in something that does not return on him. Amen. We have to make sure that we are willing to take everything the Lord invests and prove to him he's going to get a return on his investment. Even in the parable, it's, it says the good Lord, he, the, the master came back and he was looking for a return on the five talents, the three talents, and the one talent. And when they did not, when the one guy produced no return, he was furious, the, the Lord was. And he cast that guy into outer darkness. If we're going to be austere like our Lord, we have to be willing to demand and return on everything we invest in. And when you do make a demand on your return, you'll start shifting your time. You'll start moving your thing around, your time around, your money around, your world around, because the Lord won't permit you to be a poor investor. Your life will become more fruitful. You're not going to invest in friendships that don't go anywhere. You're not going to invest in family that doesn't go anywhere. You're not going to invest in a hobby that doesn't go anywhere. You're not going to invest in a vehicle that doesn't go anywhere. This is what the Lord, it makes your life easier. So it really, when you get this working in your heart, it helps, it, it solves and answers decisions before you have to make it. You don't have to pray about stuff. You just have to look at it with an austere wisdom and say, will this return my investment? No, then it's not an option. No matter how much your flesh may like it, no matter how much your, your eyes may like it, if it's not a return on my investment, I don't do it. And just to be honest with you, in pastoring, that's how pastoring works. We sow the word from the pulpit. We'll do that without any kind of prejudice. But as far as who I invest in in private, I'm not wasting time. I don't have the time to waste. And honestly, if you'll study the Bible, you'll see that you're commanded to chase. You are commanded to chase. I'm not commanded to chase you. You're commanded to chase after Jesus Christ. And if you'll follow the life of the ministry of Jesus Christ, he'd preach everywhere to masses. And then folks would come up to him after the service and they'd try to act all spiritual. Hey, will you disciple me? Hey, I've done everything. What else do I need to do? And he'd throw them one more thing and then walk away. And he would prove them. He was going to see if, if he was going to get an investment out of his sermon and out of that one statement of faith. And sometimes we think that just being in the multitudes is enough of a walk with God. But even Jesus Christ did not waste time on people. He looked at the rich young ruler and said, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, take up your cross, follow me. And then Jesus walked away because he wasn't about to waste his time. And you know what? He knew that guy wasn't going to do anything. And the guy walked away sad. With my guy, Scott, who trained me in Jeet Kune Do, he didn't have time to waste. He wanted to make sure I wanted it before he put any time and effort into me. And once I proved myself to him, every Saturday we worked on Jeet Kune Do and taught me a lot of stuff. You have to be willing that you're hungry. Be willing to be hungry and develop a hunger that, and you'll say, Lord, anything you invest in me, I will give you a return on. And anything the kingdom throws at you, any helps training, 
But honestly, I think many Christians today, they just take this entitlement thing. They want to take the wealth of, of a spiritual leader's work and think it's owed to them. You carry me, pastor. You carry me, dad. You carry me, mom. You carry me, wife. You carry me, husband. No, no, the Bible says we shall all stand and give an account for ourselves. I won't give an account for you. You won't give an account for me. I'll give an account for how I pastored you, and you'll give an account for how you maybe honored me or your wife or your children, but you won't give an account for your kids, just how you raised them. So we, we got to come back and realize that the Lord is expecting a return on everything he puts in our life. And he, if he doesn't seem to be investing much in our life, we may want to ask ourselves why. There, there's a reason why nobody invests in Enron. Nobody invests much in Enron anymore. Everybody's investing in Apple and Disney right now. If, if people, if spiritual people are not investing much in your life right now, you may want to ask why. If God's not speaking to you much, you may want to ask why. Because the Lord's no fool. He is an austere man, and he's only going to put his time, his effort, and his energy where he's going to get a return. And if you want that to be in you, then you make sure you give him a return and watch him put more in you. If I put money in Apple and it doubles my money overnight, I'm going to put more money in Apple. If I put my money in Apple stock and, it, and I lose it overnight, I ain't putting any more money in Apple. This is the principle austerity speaks of, expecting and demanding a return on its investment. Severe or strict in manner, attitude or appearance. I want you to see that austerity is not sloppy. It's not a slob. It, hippies are not austere. <laughs> sloppy people are not austere. It, it talks about a, a severe or strict manner, attitude, or appearance. It's going somewhere to happen. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't a pajama Saturday morning or, you know, you're sick and you're shuffling around in bunny slippers and a robe and you got, you know, stuffy head, achy, make you feel good thing going on, need medicine. That doesn't mean that doesn't happen. But overall, it's life is together. We all say that. that boy, they've got their life together. And it ought to be said of every one of us as Christians, they've got their life together. They're going somewhere to happen. Or like one guy said, uh, I had a professor one time. I said, he had a son a couple years younger than me. I said, what's your son do? He said, well, he's busy trying to find himself right now. He's out west somewhere. And I think I said, well, tell him to find Jesus and he can stop looking. People who are austere, they have a direction in life. They have a vision for their life, a vision for their family, a vision for their marriage, a vision for their children. They, they don't just let the world dream for them. They don't let their friends dream for them. Uh, it's a cliche, but it's truthful. You're either going to follow or you're going to lead. And if you're a follower, it better be of Jesus Christ. And if you'll follow Jesus Christ, he'll make you a leader. You either, you're always going to be following something. It better be Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, if you're following Jesus Christ, he will make you a leader, and then you'll lead others. But not everybody in the Christian, in the, in the kingdom follows Jesus Christ. They follow their friends, they follow the fashion, they follow the whims of the world. They're not austere. They're not severe in manner, in attitude or business, or appearance, excuse me. Uh, austere also means having no comforts or luxuries when necessary. It means you can do without. You don't need a, a vacation every year. I'm working right now on a curriculum. I just got the book in the mail this week called The History of Vacationing in America. Actually, I think it's called Working to Play or Playing to Work or something like that. And uh, vacations are only 150 years old. 
Never in civilization has there ever been a need to vacate until the Industrial Revolution and the middle class blossomed. But would you believe that if I told you 150 years ago people worked a thousand times harder than us? And it's, a, it's such a westernized, industrialized entitlement that I need a vacation. No, you may want one, and that's great. But if you can't afford one, work a little harder, sweetie. Well, I need rest. Well, go to Hebrews and find your rest in God. And the Bible says, labor, therefore, to enter quickly into his rest. <laughs> I don't know. For what it's worth, I think we pastored four years before we had a vacation. Just too busy serving God. Didn't really need one, but then somebody said, you need to take your wife somewhere and get away. All right, well, fine. But um, the rest of us, we're just kind of American, entitled. But if you're austere, you don't have to have a vacation every year. What also bugs me, let me just, I'm kind of just getting pastoral stuff off my heart this morning. What bugs me is that people can come up with the money and the vacation time to take a vacation, but they can't get away for a church conference. They can't, they can't make it to a Saturday meeting. They can't make it to a Tuesday night meeting. Uh, because, because, but they, they can whittle out and make everything in their life work for a two or $3,000 vacation to blank. Because we need that. Uh, you need more of God. Take your vacation if you can afford it. But all this other stuff is just entitlement. I'm all for vacations, but... Yeah. Anyway, I'm working on this curriculum so we know what to do, how to get the most out of a vacation. Because you can go on a vacation and it hurts your life. Yeah. Uh, austere, designed to reduce a budget deficit. How do you do that if you don't have a budget? And then stop the bleeding. That's where we get our word astringent. I've wasted a lot. I wasted I spent a lot of time on these points here. Uh, austere means you stop the bleeding. You stop the bleeding in your life. Stop the bleeding in your marriage. Stop the bleeding with your kids. Uh, you stop the bleeding with your finances. You stop the bleeding. You know, you can just bleed out to entertainment and get nothing done in life. In fact, just yesterday morning during our conference, and if you missed it, boy, you missed half your life, the Lord spoke to me about my life while they were teaching on marriage, and it wasn't even really about marriage. The Lord spoke to me to put up one of my hobbies. He said, put this hobby up and plow, which I know means for me, pray. And he just started showing me all the time you give to that little hobby right there, and you're complaining that this isn't getting better, put the hobby up and plow. Yes, sir. As soon as I get home, I put it up. Won't be doing that anymore. Nothing wrong with the hobby. But at the same time, if I don't change anything, nothing changes. So I got to stop some time bleeding. Really, when you stop to think about it, we are selfish people. We are selfish, entitled people. We have a kingdom we're to live for. We have a kingdom we're called to advance, and we're too busy fighting for our own rights and worried about us. What if I don't take care of me? Who will? Um, um, God? Yeah. All right. There's absolutely no room for laziness, laxness, negligence, remissness, slothfulness, or drowsiness in austerity. We must resist the temptation to take our ease and let things slide. You got to resist that. There's time to rest when you get to heaven. There's time to rest when you got everything taken care of. Every day of your life should have a plan of attack. Every day of your life should have a punch list. Every day of your life, there should be things you want to accomplish. If you don't have anything to accomplish, how do you know when you're succeeding? 
I know this isn't good for this word of faith, Holy Ghost Church, but I am not led by the Holy Ghost so much as I'm led by to-do lists and a calendar. I am led more by you than I am the Holy Ghost because if you call in and want an appointment, I'm led by your appointment. I'm led by your need. I'm led by the phone call. We're in the hospital. This just happened. This person just passed away. This car just broke down. This person's going through this. That's how I'm led. And it gets stuff done. We really, in, in our spiritual circles, we try to be led too much and we really don't get anything done. But if you have a to-do list where you can just have a little bit of wisdom or common sense, you don't need super spiritual sense. You just need common sense. If something needs to get done, get it done. Put it on your to-do list. Your life advances. You ever seen a, tra- uh, a tank? And, you know, tanks work by tread, right? And what's really cool is if you... I've, I've got to be in play on an M1 Abrams tank. And so if you get beside a tank when it's rolling, you can find a tread and then stop right here and it stays right there for a good 100 feet. And the tank keeps moving, but this tread stays right there until then it gets picked up. Your to-do list and every item on there is like a tread that you put down and then you advance forward. But if you never do anything because you don't have a to-do list because you don't know what needs to get to done, you're just stuck in the mud, spinning your wheels, thinking life's awesome or complaining that it's not. So there's no time for laziness. You ought to be accomplishing something every day in your life. Really, you ought to be drawing up entertainment. Every generation, every, every year, there's more things that come out to take our time away from us, to take our energy away from us to take our attention away from us. And you're not going to advance in life giving heed to every new fad, every new little app, every new little video game, every new little this, every Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Skype, whatever. Uh, If you can use those and be balanced, great. If not, cut them off. Did you know up until five years ago we successfully existed without any of that stuff? Pinterest. They're great resources, but we existed without them just fine. All right. The following verses use the Hebrew word remia to describe laxness and negligence. Remia's definitions include this. So we're about to look at a bunch of verses that use this Hebrew word remia, which is described as laxness or remissness or laziness. But here's what remia means in the Hebrew. A letting down or relaxing of hands. You can do that at the end of the day when you've gotten everything done. It means indolence. Wanting to avoid activity or exertion. My favorite quote quote from the zinc mine was if he was any lazier, he'd quit breathing. That is just some people spiritually. If they were any lazier spiritually, they'd just go home to heaven. Some people just want to avoid activity or exertion. (laughs) Why are you here (laughs) On, on planet Earth? If you want to avoid activity. Remiss, lacking care or attention to duty. Some folks, they just lack the attention to do. They just like, they don't care. When your heart is in what you're doing, it'll show. Dr. Barclay says, uh, performance proves your attitude. When you have a heart for something, it'll be evident. When you don't have a heart for something, it's going to be evident. We're talking about austerity, how to, how to be a financial steward, how to prosper in life. Negligent, failure to take proper care in doing something. When you're negligent, you just oversee facts. You just, you just, you're just lazy. You let things go. You, you're postponing. You're, you're uh, what do you call it when you postpone stuff? 
procrastinator, thank you. You just constantly procrastinate. Why do today what I can put off till tomorrow? Because don't you know I got Instagram and I got Facebook and I got Snapchat and I got some episodes to get caught up on Netflix. And you know, I got a good four hours. I just need to waste doing nothing tonight because it's been a hard day and I need to unwind. From what? You're not even wound. unwind it's a lie and they keep coming up with new shows you have to binge watch and each one gets worse and worse and worse and worse each one moves you more and more off your foundation amen negligent failure to take proper care in doing something now if you're negligent enough you will be replaced in whatever it is If you're negligent on the job, you'll be replaced. If you're negligent in your responsibilities, you'll be replaced because whoever puts you in your place is austere and they're trying to accomplish something. And if you're not accomplishing it, they don't need you. So you will be replaced, even in the kingdom. If I'm negligent as a pastor, I will be replaced. If you're negligent as a department head, you'll be replaced. As we heard yesterday with the marriage seminar, if a a wife feels neglected, she'll replace her husband. And it's called divorce. Laziness does not reward anybody with anything worth having. And yet flesh can't get enough laziness. But as we're going to see, laziness will clothe a man with rags. And then, of course, remia also means deception and fraud. So anytime you're lax or remiss or negligent, the, the Hebrew also equates that to being a deceitful fraud. How is that deception or fraud? Well, you, you at one point did something to earn a position, and so you still have that testimony, but you're not living up to it anymore. So you're coasting off of yesterday's reputation, though you're destroying it today. You used to be trustworthy. You used to be diligent. The Lord used to could trust you, but now you're just like, nah. Now you can repent of that anytime and pull that thing out. But this is just the Hebrew word, Ramia. So let's look at some verses. Psalm 32, too. We're going to run through a bunch of these. Just to show you this principle over and over in the word of God. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose attitude there is no laziness. Now, King James calls it guile, but it's our Hebrew word, Ramia. So the, Lord, the Bible says, blessed is the man who does not have a lazy attitude. It lets us right, right there know that everybody has a lazy flesh nature, even your triathletes, even your Navy SEALs, the best of the best, it's in the flesh, but it's not in their attitude. What makes the difference, what hurts us is when our attitude gets in alignment with our sinful nature. And we say, you know, I should let my flesh take its ease. It's worked so hard today. It has sat in that chair all day long. It it, it has eaten so much food. It hurts so bad. It needs to just rest. I need to exercise my eyeballs now. And, my, and blink some. Now that index finger needs to surf a little bit more. My thumb hasn't had its daily regiment of rolling through other people's lives five inches at a time. You ought to use your feet to go somewhere, not just your thumb. <laughs> All right. Beware of the lazy attitude. As goes your attitude, so goes your life. Notice that it says in the Hebrew, blessed is the man who the Lord does not impute any sin and in whose attitude, blessed is the man whose attitude has no laziness in it. Laziness is an attitude. And you can, you can shake that thing off anytime you want. You know how you drop out of college? Lazy attitude. You know how you get good in college? You get rid of the lazy attitude and you focus. I wish our, well, I think we got good college kids, but college kids need to realize 
mommy and daddy and state funding is not sending you to college to be a drunken whoremonger. Nor are you being sent to college to get some Greek letters. You're being sent to college to get educated to help the world. Amen. And if you weren't so double-minded and lazy, you could do that. I'm all for changing majors because you've got to figure out what God wants you to do, but it shouldn't take five years to figure out what your major is and then another four to finish it. You should be able to say, this is God, and I'm going to stick with it no matter how tough it is. Amen. When your attitude's in it, you don't care what the challenge is. You just, you just go after it. Jeremiah 48, 10. Cursed be he that does the work of the Lord deceitfully or negligently. That's a harsh verse. Cursed is the man who does the work of the Lord with negligence. We, this is a helps ministry verse. Blessed is the man in the ministry of helps who doesn't have a heart for it. Blessed is the woman in the ministry of helps that's just half-hearted about it, that neglects their duties, that neglects their responsibilities, that don't have a heart to check everything. One of the biggest things we deal with around here is when our guys lock up, about three or four times a month, they forget to lock a front door or a back door or leave the heat running all night when it's 15 degrees. That costs money, and it won't cost them money. It'll cost the church money, and some guys just don't care because they're negligent. Well, thank God we're in the new covenant, and we can maybe plead for mercy because this verse says they're cursed. Now, accidents happen. I understand that. But I will say this because I guess this is pastoral event morning. And I don't know why. We've had some good services lately. I've been feeling good. But they, we have, you know, I don't know how many closes we have, but there's like the same three or four that always forget to lock doors. Always forget to shut lights off. Always, it's, it's the same three or four. So how come they always forget, but the other 10 guys never do? Negligence. And the Bible doesn't call that a blessing. calls it a curse-worthy. Okay, stewardship is the work of the Lord. Don't be negligent in it. We'll summarize it like that. Proverbs 10, 4a. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. That's the opposite of austerity. All these words are the exact opposite of austerity. You'll become poor when you're negligent like this. When you're negligent, you'll never be promoted. If you're never promoted, you'll never go anywhere. Prosperity isn't just money. Prosperity is taking more territory. Prosperity is being diligent. Prosperity comes because you're trustworthy and somebody who's over you doesn't have to remind you 15 times to take care of something. If somebody has to, if your boss has to remind you, they're going to find somebody else. If God has to remind you, they're going to find, God's going to find somebody else. Amen trying to teach us how to prosper in life. You know, it doesn't come through Publisher's Clearinghouse or Dead, Egg Mc, Dead McMahon. <laughs> Ed McMahon, you, some of you are too young to know who Ed McMahon was. He was the, Johnny, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson co-host, and he had the Publisher's Clearinghouse, and every year in January, he'd show up somebody's door with a check for $5 million. That's not prosperity. It's a gimmick. No, the real prosperity and provision is you being diligent and austere and everything in your life wanting you. When you, are, when you are austere and dependable, every arena of your life will promote you. Your job will promote you. Your neighborhood will promote you. Your family will promote you. Your pastor will promote you. Your God will promote you. Uh, whatever you're in will promote you. If you get this thing in you, no matter where you go, you're going to prosper. Not just money, but responsibility and territory. That makes you influential. 
It's a shame the world understands this and they're influential and the church just sits in a chair and wants to be nursed and entitled. It should not be the case. A slack hand always comes up empty is my interpretation. Proverbs 12, 24b in the NIV, laziness ends in slave labor. If you're lazy, you'll always work minimum wage. Always, 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 always. Lazy people always remain a slave to the system. You can't blame the man. You ought to blame your man, who you are. The man ain't keeping nobody down anymore, but your attitude sure will. We have a black president. The man ain't keeping nobody down anymore. We ha- we're about to have a second black attorney general of the United States. The man ain't keeping nobody down anymore, but your attitude sure will. The slothful man roasts not what he took in hunting. So think about that. He's so lazy, he just wants to do the easy part. He just, he just wants to shoot the arrow, but he won't even cook it. Lazy people only like to have fun. Lazy people, they're looking for the next vacation. They're living for Friday. They're living for Saturday. They hate Monday. Lazy people hate Monday because they have to go be responsible. I would also add this. Lazy people have no vision. They just hop from dream to dream to dream to dream to dream. dream. I don't know if I have that verse in here. One of the verses says, when times are tough, dreams abound in Ecclesiastes. When you're lazy, you're always dreaming. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do this. Well, because the dream is better than the reality it takes to get it. Well, you keep dreaming, honey, and 10 years from now, you'll still be dreaming a dream. Instead of just getting after something and sticking with it. Amen. Lazy people only like to have fun. I guess that's what Cindy Lauper sang about. Girls just want to have fun. Shooting the animal is the fun and easy part of hunting. Now, if you're into PETA, you may not appreciate me saying it's the fun part. But trust me, if you've ever been hunting, shooting is the fun part. Your adrenaline's pumping so hard, you can hear your heartbeat. You don't even hear the gun. You don't hear it jump. You don't feel nothing. You just see that deer or that bird or that dog or that cat or whatever you're hunting. (laughs) I guess we shouldn't chuckle at that. They're all God's creations and they're made out of food. (laughs) Amen. Do you realize for you to live, something has to die? Go put that in your liberal tree hug and pipe and smoke it. In order for human beings to live, something must die, an animal or a plant. Okay. Cleaning, gutting, and cooking the animal is the hard part. It takes a split second to kill a deer. It takes, well, if you're good, it takes two minutes to gut a deer. If you're bad, it takes 30 minutes. It takes 30 minutes to drag it out of the woods. Then you got to haul it to the processing plant. You got to do all of that. You got to check the deer in. Then you got to wait about two or three weeks. Then you get your meat back in little tubes and patties and rounds and whatnot. And, and then you haven't started cooking yet. So then you got to come up with a recipe. And then you got to marinate. And the marinate takes at least 24 hours if you want a good marination. And then you fire up the grill. You fire up. Uh, it only took a split second, you know, 1,800 feet per second to drop the deer. It'll take you three or four weeks to put the thing on the table. Lazy people just like to have fun. Okay, Proverbs 19.15, laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless man goes hungry. I love that word, shiftless. Laziness begets more laziness. You ever notice the more you sleep, the more you want to sleep? 
you know, I, I do enough in my life. If I, I can, if I get on five hours of sleep, I can run for days on five hours of sleep and not even be tired all day long. But if I, if I sleep in once seven or eight hours, I'm tired all day long. I want to go to bed early the next night. I need nine hours of sleep the next night. I mean, how did I do that? I was just running on five hours of sleep, working out in the morning, and now I'm back to being lazy. Yeah. The shiftless man goes hungry. Laziness begats more laziness, and someone without ambition should go hungry. Ecclesiastes 10.18, By much slothfulness, the building decays, and through idleness of the hands, the house drops through. So this is another example. When you're not austere, when you don't take care of stuff, it decays around you. If you don't take care of your marriage, it decays around you. If you don't take care of your heart, it will decay and turn corrupt on you. If you don't take care of your job, it will corrupt. If you don't take care of your body, it will corrupt. If you don't take care of your money, it will decay. We know if you don't take care of your house, it'll fall apart. Just through natural weathering. So everything requires maintenance, even your house. Lazy people won't take care of their substance. We're teaching on the opposite of austerity. And this is one of the keys to financial stewardship. You have to be willing to invest and take care of everything the Lord gives you if you want it to last. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If they refuse to work in the church, you should not give them any food. I'm all for food pantry ministries and homeless ministries, but in the church, if they refuse to work, you don't. Well, you don't feed them. I also think this has a spiritual application. You're not going to get much out of church if you're not involved in the ministry of helps, working in the ministry of helps. I, I think everybody ought to be helping to care the, carry the burden of the local church somehow. And if you do, you'll get much more out of service. It's a supernatural thing. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, yoke is for work. And the only, so there's some things you can only learn by working for God and with him in his kingdom. Every, even the New Testament teaches us to work and be diligent and to be austere, commanding us not to feed people unless they work. So let's look at a few more verses, and we're almost out of time. Luke 12, 18 through 20 says, and he, Jesus said, this will I do, uh, the man in the parable, I will pull down my barns. So this was a wealthy plantation owner and farmer. And I'll build greater barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which you have provided? Now we may not be wealthy plantation owners who are ready to just turn in the plow. But there are many days that we think we've earned some downtime because we work seven hours. Now, I I understand every once in a while you just need to come home and take a break, but that's not every once in a while anymore. Now people do it every day. Their house is a dump. Their finances are a mess. And they're like this guy. I need to take my ease. I've got money laid up for at least a day. I got money laid up at least till the paycheck uh, runs out. Uh, I'm just going to take my ease. I'm going to just sit back and watch some television again. I'm going to sit back and play some video games. I'm going to sit back and just see what's going on Facebook. I'm going to just sit back and do nothing because I've done enough today. By whose measure? The Lord says in this parable, what this person has will be taken from him and given to somebody else. Laziness is preparing your replacement. 
Your laziness will train your replacement in the kingdom, on your job, in your marriage, with your kids. If you don't father your kids or parent your kids, somebody else will. A pervert might sweep in. A teacher might become endeared to them. Who knows if the teacher's a good one or not? Kids are designed to look up to their parents, not anybody else. But if you're lazy, your kids will find a dad. If you're lazy, your kids will find a mom. If you're super lazy, the government will help your kids find another set of parents. That's shameful. This man knew how to work. He knew how to work. That's why he was so prosperous in the first place. But then he said, you know what? I I need a nap. You know, I've got two kids. It's hard. We just heard of uh, some friends of ours. uh, They have two kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and they just had quadruplets. Thank God they're in a big church that can help them because, well, you know, everything's relative. I have a hard life, have quadruplets with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I told somebody the other day, I said, the man with no shoes complains till he meets the man with no feet. Shut up, grow up, and move on. At least we don't live in ISIS territory where they're crucifying children and burning children alive and burying them alive. It's so hard in my little middle Tennessee home. My life is so tough. So much is demanded of me. I don't ever get to see my family. Seriously? That's a heart condition. We're selfish people, folks. Some of those folks will never get to see their family ever again. And we, we, we've, we've made our family our God, and really we're not being much of a family. All right, I hit a couple nerves there on that one. So deal with it. Amen, I don't have time to, to really needle that one, but it needs to be. He tore down barns and built greater just so he could be lazy. He prepared to be lazy. And by the way, I'm wearing myself out right now. Many people work long enough to buy themselves lazy time, but they can they consistently diligent prosper and prosper and prosper and prosper. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I went by the field of the lazy guy, the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all their, their vineyard. They, they had the ability to be tremendously prosperous. They had a vineyard. They owned a vineyard and they owned a field, but they were lazy and ignorant. And he says, this was the testimony of their life. It was grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and I considered it well and I looked upon it and I received instruction. Sometimes you can just look at somebody's miserable life and be educated. And it's okay to say, Lord, please don't, not like the Pharisee, but in the humility, Lord, I don't want to end up like that. Lord, I don't want to be like that. Lord, I don't want my marriage to look like that. Lord, I don't want to be a weird parent like that. There's all those weird parents out there that are so obsessed with their kids. And then they end up on Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, you look at that and say, Lord, I don't want to be like that. He said, I received instruction, yet a little sleep. This is necessary sleep. This is the differences in the Hebrew. A little bit of slumber, that's laziness. A little folding of the hands to sleep, that's determined. So shall your poverty come as one that travels and thy want as an armed man. I am going to needle it one more time. We make this excuse. Well, I need time with my family. You demand time with your family every day. Does God not get to make a demand to spend time with you as his family? 
One of the things we pray almost every night over our girls is, Lord, may they catch our heart for you. May they not grow up and realize or think we're weird because we're obsessed with them. But if my girls are going to go anywhere for God, they're going to have to have a heart similar to mine. So we, we can pray that. Now, you may not want to pray that your kids end up with your heart because they may stay where you're at. <laughs> but we, we so much demand our own personal time. But does not God have the right to demand our time? Does he not own us in every hour of our day? And yet we fight for these selfish rights because, well, what am I going to do if I don't spend time with them another five hours today? Have a normal life? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And there's always more to do than just you. Okay. So shall thy poverty come as one that travels and your want or your lack is an armed man. It doesn't come overnight, but when it comes, there's nothing you can do about it. This passage is exactly what austerity does not look like. Laziness alone does not make you a poor financial steward. It's also a lack of understanding. I would say in this church, we don't lack understanding. What we do lack is a work ethic. What we do lack is a consistent determination it takes to be consistent, constant doers. In this church, I know we have soft hearts, and I can preach a hard message or a convicting message. We'll repent and we'll change for a day. So it's not a lack of understanding. It's not a lack of a soft heart. It's a lack of consistency. Therefore, laziness is our problem. Because it does. You have, it takes work. You have to make this thing a part of your lifestyle. You have to trust God that if you put him first, he'll take care of everything else. But the Bible does promise us if we seek him first and put his kingdom first, everything else will be added to us. We cannot be afraid to put God first. He knows how to take care of us better than we do. The Blunts were just telling us last night about this young couple that's going to help their son start a church in Oklahoma City. They just, they just got born again. They're anointed. They're fired up for God. And his wife had a full ride in Texas to a nursing school. And uh, this guy came to their son and said, I don't know what it is, but God's about to do something with you, and I'm to help you no matter where we have to go. And so his son said, well, the Lord spoke to me. I'm to start a church in Oklahoma City. You know, that's another state away. And he said, all right, well, then we're with you. And so come to find out the wife was going to lose her total free ride to nursing school. And she said, that's okay. God will take care of us. This is the will of God. I don't need a free nursing school degree. Whatever God wants, God gets. So they moved to Oklahoma City. They're getting ready to launch this thing. Paperwork just came through this week. She gets a free ride in Oklahoma. (laughs) But she didn't know that until she moved there. Do you know this Christian walk takes faith? And you have to trust that God knows where he's taking you before you leave. That's what Abraham did. All right. Laziness also does not make you a poor financial steward. It's also a lack of understanding. Austerity will seek out wisdom and instruction and not take pride in ignorance and stupidity. Don't be proud of being ignorant. And don't think ignorance is bliss. It's not. Austerity seeks to get better and better and to always make improvements. Last verse, Luke 16. And he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a a steward and the same was accusing him that he wasted his goods. His accusation was, you wasted my stuff. And he called him and said to him, how is this I hear of thee? Give an account of your stewardship for you may no longer be my steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. Laziness will qualify you for demotion. Make sure you stay qualified for promotion. Amen.
just trying to help us stay promoted in the hands of God. Father, we thank you for our Sunday school this morning. Father, may these words stick to our bones. May they stick to our heart. May we do the word of God. May we see promotion in every area of our life, not just financially, but also in your kingdom. Lord, help us get over laziness and selfishness. In Jesus' name, amen.